Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is Value Side for Tuesday, October 17. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. Well, today, the nuance of war. Well, I have directed the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to begin moving into the eastern Mediterranean. And with those words, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin signaled that the full power and might of the United States would come to the support of Israel in its hostilities with Hamas, the Islamic resistance movement. Now, with three major surface vessels, nine aircraft squadrons, and logistics and support personnel and ships, more than 7,500 sailors, marine, and airmen will be involved. Incredibly, this is only one of two carrier strike groups in this operation. The other is the Gerald R. Ford, which was already in theater. These two carrier strike groups represent more sheer firepower than our entire Pacific fleet during World War II. So the question naturally arises, are we at war with Hamas? That used to have a very straightforward answer. According to the U.S. Constitution, only Congress can declare war. That's in Article 1, Section 8. Yet with each passing year, those old sentiments from the 18th century have less and less relevance. The last war that Congress declared was World War II, after all. But we seem mired in war after war, with no end in sight. Whether we call it a police action, as in Korea, or the maintenance of international peace, as in Vietnam, it still seems to cost this country dearly in both blood and fortune. Now, World War II, Korea, and Vietnam were all traditional wars, fought between nations and governments. The 21st century, however, has seen the very first instance of a non-state foe, Al-Qaeda, and more specifically, the concept of terror. President George W. Bush first used the term global war on terror in response to the September 11, 2001 destruction of the World Trade Center in New York. Later, it would become official U.S. policy under President Obama to identify the foe as al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and their associated forces. While more specific, it was still apparent that the United States was at war with not another nation, but with a loosely associated group of terrorists. And just like that, the United States could mobilize its vast resources of men, weapon, and equipment to fight against an amalgamation of associated peoples. Obama's comments came five years after the Twin Towers were destroyed, and the American people were becoming weary of this war without a visible foe. Hidden in the caves and crevices of the mountains of Afghanistan, the Taliban were primarily invisible to the outside world. As Obama ascended the podium that day, he must have been sensitive to America's growing restlessness. So in addition to specifically calling out al-Qaeda and Taliban, Obama also appealed to the Christian tradition of a just war. Obama proposed that this newly reformulated war on terror, now a war on al-Qaeda and Taliban, was, quote, This is a just war, said Obama, a war waged proportionally, in the last resort, and in self-defense. 
Now, you may find Obama's use of the word proportionally particularly intriguing. On the one side, the world's military superpower, and on the other, a loosely aligned paramilitary group. Proportional? You decide. Now, the Cost of War project at Brown University estimates that at least 4.5 million people have died in this global war on terror, along with 38 million who have lost their homes, and it costs the United States more than $8 trillion, all in one of the bloodiest, most costly wars in our history. Be that as it may, while we were told our cause was just, the current President Biden abandoned that cause as he summarily pulled our troops and equipment out of Afghanistan in 2021. Now it's increasingly apparent that we live in a time of ever-increasing war. Just six months after the Afghan occupation ended, Russia invaded Ukraine. And as President Biden said, quote, For weeks we have been warning this would happen, and now it's unfolding largely as we predicted. Unquote President Biden on February 24, 2022. Now the American president was remarkably prescient. In the pre-dawn hours of Thursday, February 24th, President Vladimir Putin took to the Russian television to announce the launch of a special military operation in Ukraine. In his address to the nation, Putin indicated two objectives. First, to protect those of Russian heritage living in the Donbass region. And second, to demilitarize Ukraine. He concluded by saying that reaching an agreement with NATO had become impossible. Now, just a few short hours later came the response from the American president, Joe Biden. His speech was remarkable in its scope. President Biden was executing a well-planned, comprehensive opposition to the Russian incursion. Less than half a day following the special military operation, the American president had personally talked to all the leaders of the G7 and convened a meeting of NATO for the following day. He had spoken to Ukrainian President Zelensky and begun isolating Russia financially, which would include later on cutting them off from SWIFT. And he also identified and quarantined certain Russian elites. Biden began prohibiting the transfer or sale of high-tech materials to Russia. He ordered troops to Germany and other NATO countries to support aid flowing into Ukraine and ordered the first $650 million in assistance for that beleaguered nation. Now, for those of us who have come to know our president over the past couple of years, we realize what a Herculean effort this must have been. In less than half a day, Biden had mobilized the Western world to counter Russia financially, militarily, diplomatically, and economically. And he had done everything short of declaring war to oppose Russia's incursion. Most importantly, he had opened up lines of communication with all the Western leaders, an essential step in coordinating this opposition. There was only one world leader that Biden shunned that fateful day. It was the one leader that the U.S. president had refused to speak to for months, the one man who might have made a difference. Vladimir Putin. Biden refused to speak to the Russian leader on February 24th. 
in the days leading up to that historic day, or in the days since. Now we rely on our leaders to seek peace and negotiate with everyone in any conflict our nation may face. When Joe Biden was the vice president, Barack Obama evoked the just war principle. Obama spoke of proportionality, a concept that stems from the biblical maxim of an eye for an eye, that punishment must be proportional to the crime. There is no doubt that the terrorists who killed these innocent Israelis deserve the full measure of justice, but not for their families, not for their clans, or not for their nation. The killers' lives for the ones they killed, but no more. Today, President Biden has mobilized more than sufficient military power to mete out such justice, in what Lloyd Austin called a mission to deter aggression. Let us pray that our justice remains proportional to the crime and that peace may ultimately prevail. And that's Value Side for Tuesday, October 17. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. Value Side is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.